0: Hi, it's Mark here. While Phil and I were putting together this latest episode, paying tribute to the late Jeffrey Fosquette, we learned the sad and shocking news that Melinda Ledbetter Wilson, wife of Brian Wilson, had passed away. Brian, Phil and I extend our deepest condolences and wish you and your family all the best during this difficult time. Greetings and welcome to Surf's Up, a Beach Boys podcast safari. My name is Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys. And I am here today with my co-host, Phil Migliorati. It's our first uh, podcast of the new year. Phil, how are you doing?
1: Doing good and looking forward to our conversation today, Mark.
0: Yeah, we're here to remember Jeffrey Foskett, who sadly passed away on December 11th after a five-year battle with uh, anaplastic thyroid cancer. He was only 67 years old. Jeffrey, known to Beach Boys fans as a supporting guitarist and vocalist with the band from 1981 to 1990. Then he joined Brian Wilson's band as onstage musical director and performed on Brian's recordings from the late 90s through until 2013. Then he rejoined Mike Love for one more tour of duty under the Beach Boys name from 2014 to 2019. Anybody who has been to one of those shows in the past 40 years will certainly remember Jeffrey's trademark falsetto.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. It's amazing how well he fit in. Maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit on our conversation, but just a comment that uh, came to me while preparing for our conversation, Mark, is uh, there have been many who have been on stage with the Beach Boys, even been in the studio, and, but especially on stage touring, uh, singing with them. They hit the, the the notes and all that. You know, they're great. But to me, Jeffrey is like the uh, Bruce Johnston of the 80s, where... He started touring with. I thought Bruce
0: Johnston was the Bruce Johnston of the '80s.
1: Well, uh, Bruce Johnston's twin or something like that is is AI duplicate, uh, where he was more than just someone. And I want to denigrate the guys who who I'm not mentioning, but he he almost seemed like a second cousin Wilson or something, where his uh, voice just fit so well to the overall sound. And I think for. For a lot of Beach Boy fans, if they heard uh, one of the Beach Boy songs with Jeffrey doing the lead and they didn't know it was Jeffrey, I don't know if they'd know the difference. Uh, not that I always could tell the difference, but anyway, um, I I think um, he he's certainly he was a technically a band member, but I think he was more than that. I think he was a, an official Beach Boy without the official designation.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there's a few people you could argue that case for. I mean, he wasn't an official Beach Boy, but it's interesting when they got, what was it, the gold or platinum records for the Kokomo single, Jeffrey was there for that presentation. He received one. There's a photo of it. Uh, Brian's there as well. And Brian had nothing to do with the recording of that single, although Jeffrey did.
1: Well, the, the stats say he has something like 40 gold records, and some of those are with the Beach Boys. Uh, and, and as you say, he's not an official Beach Boy, and yet uh, he was included. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think he's kind of in a class by himself. Maybe Billy Henschey would have, would have fit in that class. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you think there's a couple others, but... Uh, very, yeah. very very stands out very much to me
0: his voice became a signature part of the blend really uh definitely uh in concert you know whether it was with the beach boys or, or with brian but uh you know if you listen to uh brian wilson presents smile and look i'm wearing my brian wilson presents smile t-shirt in honor of Jeff. remember at the end of the show he he'd turn his he'd flip his guitar and it would say smile and he'd like float his guitar yes. um Yes. But I mean, from the from the opening notes of our prayer, you hear Jeff at the top end, so he's a big part of those recordings, and and also in um that's why God made the radio. And and David Beard, our friend who uh, who edits uh, Endless Summer Quarterly, say was saying that he had probably the last interview with, with Jeff, and Jeff was commenting on how you know, he felt kind of bummed that that some fans didn't like hearing his voice on that album, which I find surprising because, I mean, uh, you know, we 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 became used to it as part of the blend. So I, I hope he didn't really go out feeling that way because, uh, I mean, certainly Brian could not hit those high notes. Carl's not around. So uh, if not Jeff, then who?
1: Yeah, I think so. Matt Jardine, I think, takes that sometimes. Yeah, but, definitely. And uh, to my ears, uh, Jeffrey uh, fits in that family melody blend uh harmony blend uh maybe even as m- more than, than matt but that's just an opinion but uh matt's great addition uh and i think jeffrey's stands there right with him and the other guys
0: well yeah and as as part of our discussion today um what i'd like to bring to the table and and and, and finally be able to say is that there is a lost chapter to 50 sides of the beach boys. Um, I did interview Jeffrey for the book. Um, but then he asked me to, to not use the chapter. So that's, that's kind of a long story in and of itself. But, um, but anyway, he did for people that don't know the format of my book, basically it's, you know, 50 sides of the beach boys. So You know, I was celebrating their 50th anniversary by looking at 50 of their songs in their catalog, each song discussed from the perspective of somebody different. So a beach boy, a collaborator, um, you know, a rock star from the 60s, a rock star from today, celebrity fan, whatever. And uh, so, you know, at first, Jeffrey was was gung ho and he uh, wanted to talk about um, the warmth of the sun, which was a song that he particularly loved um you can hear him sing it he was part of uh papa do run run you know cover band they had an album out in 1985 called the california project uh and he sang every part of uh, of that song and you can also hear it on his more recent 2019 voices album so it's it's a song that he loved uh he sang it at beach boys concerts because you know carl knew that that jeff loved it and carl said you know i want you to sing it so uh it was meaningful to him but Unfortunately, you know, the thing about Jeff, too, that we haven't mentioned yet is that not only was he a you know a performer in the band, but he had this task when he joined with Brian. So that started, you know, when, when Brian launched his solo career in the late 90s, uh, he became not only, you know, the band musical director, but uh, he had to take care of Brian. Basically, he was like taking care of Brian on the road, you know. Bring him to the show, taking him to dinner, introducing him to people, shepherding around. And uh, that was a big responsibility. And I think the um, the pressure of that weighed on him. And so, you know,
1: let me just, uh, just jump in there to yeah, affirm, yeah. affirm what you're saying about that, Mark. Uh, not that I know a lot more than anybody, but uh, in, in my uh, relationship with Jeffrey, just could sense that this was more than just you know knocking on his door. Okay, Brian, we're ready to go. There was a lot of uh, personal uh, concern and caretaking, and uh, and then to be the one that then stands on stage and sings and you know et cetera. So this, you were not exaggerating, is all I'm trying to say.
0: Absolutely, and I and I think you know I worked very hard with Jeff on this chapter. Um, you know, if if, if there, there was any sort of like you know scent of anything negative about Brian and you know I, I i i'd be the last person to write something negative about Brian but if i even made a comment like his frayed vocal cords jeff's like uh uh-uh, uh nope you know not not mm-hmm. necessary uh you know so anyway so i wrote the chapter you know trying to keep him happy but then you know he wanted more of a view of the rest of the book and i just couldn't do that i couldn't i couldn't allow him to you know start commenting on on things that didn't relate to him so anyway eventually we, we it just didn't work but anyway it was it was great talking to jeff and and got a lot of insight and so i hope to to share some of that uh in our conversation but i i did pull out a quote this isn't from me although i do have a bunch of quotes from jeff that have you know never been published or 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 uh, spoken before, but this is from another interview that he did. Um, remember the Jeff Beck tour? That was kind of an odd tour that Brian did in 2013. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's, Jeff said, After the Jeff Beck tour, I was completely stressed and burnt out that whole year recording that album because there was supposed to be an album done with Jeff Beck and that tour because I knew Jeff so well. He's talking about Jeff Beck there. A lot of things fell on me to get done that normally would have been other people's responsibility. So at the end of that tour, I kind of snapped literally and just said, I can't do this anymore. However, Brian views me as all right with me as long as he knows I love him. So it was a shocker. I, I, I was really shocked that, uh, that he, he left Brian cause they were like, you know, you know, backstage Brian had, uh, access past number one and then Jeff had access past number two, you know? So it was, uh, it was very surprising that he left Brian and, uh, Perhaps just as surprising, if not more so, that he joined back with uh, Mike and Bruce.
1: Well, it, uh, the part about—you uh, didn't use this word, but uh, hearing you say what he his some of his pushback was—he uh, certainly, I think, felt a need, a desire, uh, a reason, to whatever, to uh, defend Brian, or maybe the, at best explain Brian. I was uh, listening to the. Uh, podcast that Jeffrey did with me and three other persons, uh, musicians. Uh, We could talk about that later maybe, but one of the things that uh, I had forgotten is how uh, one of the guys um, made a comment about this, the vocal cords thing made me think of it, made a comment uh, about a quote that uh, uh, Bruce, Bruce Johnson had made about Brian Wilson, that was his last great song, "Till I Die." We were talking about "Till I Die," and long story short, Jeffrey politely, but he he made wanted to make it clear that what Bruce meant was not that that was his last great song; that was his last great vocal because of his voice situation that uh, you know changed and got beat up with stuff. Which I think maybe you were afraid vocal cords thing. Maybe that's what you were referring to, and. So uh, I don't know Jeffrey that well to say I know it's, you know, a a brotherly kind of thing, but he certainly, uh, I think, cared about, loved Brian and uh, was trying to defend him, maybe. I don't know what was going on with you guys, though.
0: Um, well, let's, uh, let's back up. Let's, let's tell the Jeffrey Foskett and the Beach Boys story. It's become part of the lore. And, and it's funny because when I hear other people tell it, 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 it's exactly as Jeff told it to me. So I guess he's told it <laughs> to a lot of people, but in, in 1976, uh, to give himself a 20th birthday present, he uh, set out to meet Brian, who was his idol. And, uh, he showed up unannounced at Brian's home in, in Bel Air, uh, he says that he was able to pick it out by the stained glass double window that uh, is pictured on the Wild Honey cover, and uh, you got to hand it to Jeff—he had a, a lot of cojones, as they say. He yes. uh, he approached the intercom box, pressed the button, introduced himself, and 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 even more surprising, Brian, who was on a, a short hiatus from recording the Fifteen Big Ones album, uh, answered the door. And let him in and this is the Brian you know that we've seen on Saturday Night Live in 1976 you know bearded and unkempt and he just said hi I'm Brian and invited Jeff into the kitchen for a snack and then uh, they went to the music room where there's a piano and a bass and uh, you know Jeff asked oh is that is that the bass that you played in the Beach Boys early days and Brian's like yeah I think so and uh, anyway he formed that friendship with Brian but then he went on jeff went on his own to form uh, a pair of bands with randell kirsch and Bo fox uh, the reverie rhythm rockers and they did 60s covers and the pranks which played original songs uh, in hopes of landing a record deal um is course- it
1: true that they they played a concert as both bands played a gig as both bands came out as uh with the oldies and then uh, came out with the originals and went to the oldies, something like that. I, I, I don't
0: remember. know, but that sounds great. That sounds really clever.
1: Yeah. If it's not true, I'll call it a uh, legend. So we'll the see. The Reverie
0: guys would say, stick around for the pranks.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then of course,
0: Randell Kirsch went on to, uh, to tour with the Beach Boys playing bass, and he would sing lead on The Warmth of the Sun, actually. So then uh, Jeff met Mike Love. So Reverie was the house band at a bar um, in Santa Barbara, Attached to the 1129 restaurant, and uh, Mike went there one night in the early '80s. And Jeff, again, you know, no fear. He he walked. He heard uh, from the bartender that Mike was in the restaurant. He walked up to him, and he said, "I'm a big fan. I'm playing in a band, and it would be so cool if you came and checked it out." And Mike said, "I don't think so, man, because I don't drink and I don't smoke." But uh, Fossett. Jeffrey just wished him a bon appétit and uh, walked away, but he signed for Mike's meal. And so Mike was grateful and he ended up uh, in the end taking in Reverie's set. And uh, he said they were pretty good. And a few days later, Mike's manager, Daniel Parker, called uh, Jeffrey and uh, asked if he and his bandmates would like to join Mike on the road in support of his solo album, Looking Back With Love. And so of course they gladly accepted and they toured under the endless summer beach Uh, band so this was this was an era when you know the Beach Boys were splintering a little bit uh, because you know not everything was running smoothly Carl didn't like he thought that the level of uh, professionalism was not where it needed to be Uh, Dennis was in rough shape you know he was either drumming too fast or drumming too slow and um, so Carl went off of course to do a solo album and the Beach Boys Desperately needed some uh, a replacement. They needed some quality mu- musicianship because Brian, you know, wasn't in good shape either. I mean, I mean, Jeffrey said so. You know, and I remember seeing Brian in those days. Like, you know, he'd be off, off to the side, and he'd be, you know, smoking or drinking diet coke and not very involved. And he he told Jeff, he said, "It's just not my trip, man." Like, he just he wasn't there at that time. So uh mm-hmm. Jeff was a welcome uh, addition, of course, because he could sing those those parts and. Uh, and uh, he was reliable that way.
1: Well, and again, thinking of the podcast that I really listened to, uh, one of his comments was how, you know, his Beach Boy life uh, really became his career. Uh, so he stepped into something that went way beyond uh, just, you know, uh, being the house band, so to speak, as a, and the summer band, band. Uh,
0: yeah, and so, I mean, he he did a little bit of, he was mostly a touring guy at the beginning, and I mean, of course, the Beach Boys weren't doing a whole lot of albums, but, you know, in the 1985 album, he's at least credited with backing vocals, and it's interesting, there's a bit of a a theory among some fans, because, you know, Brian makes a pretty impressive return vocally on that album, you know, when he's on it, like, particularly you know, on, um, get you back. Like he, he does those high notes, you know, and it's, it sure sounds like Brian, but some people don't believe it. They believe that it's, it's Jeffrey or Jeffrey, like double tracking or, or something like that. But I mean, I interviewed uh, the producer, Steve Levine, and he insisted that that was indeed Brian. So who knows? But, uh, yeah. you know, as we mentioned earlier, he, he did play rhythm guitar on Kokomo. So, uh, you know, that that's, that's a huge hit, love it or hate it. in, uh, in beach boys history.
1: <laughs> so uh, back to your chapter. Um, the this is your only uh, chapter. You had to pull, withdraw, and go back for a different uh, different author. Am I right?
0: Yeah. So when when Jeff said he wanted it completely removed you know, it it wasn't so bad in the end. I mean, of course, I would have liked to have had that chapter on the warmth of the sun in there. But so what I did was I had to find one other person. I went back to Alice Cooper, who I'd been pursuing for a while to no avail. And this time I got him and he talked about in my room. So, you know, not not so bad in the end.
1: (laughs) So without reading the chapter to us, which if you wanted to do that, we'd listen. But uh, just what any comments that Jeffrey made just about the song, you know, maybe nothing on being defensive or trying to, you know, protect anybody, but just any insights as to how he, I mean, he loved that song. And as you mentioned, it's on uh, uh, several of his uh, CDs. Um, and he just, I, I think, hits, hits it out of the park. Uh, so he must have a feel for that song.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, he, he said to me and I quote, he said, it's such a beautiful piece. The arrangement is amazing without any vocals, but then you add those words, you know? So he, uh, it, it just spoke to him. And I mean, if you listen to his other work, you know, and he's got a bunch of albums, Jeff, um, a lot of covers, a lot of interesting covers, you know, it sort of uh, opened my eyes to a lot of artists that I I was not particularly aware of like Marmalade, for example, late sixties. Um, it, you know, he he definitely loves music of, of another era of yesteryear, you know, so, uh, you know, this is this is Brian that is, you know, most melancholy and, and beautiful harmonies and all that. I, I think that era spoke to Jeff the most, you know, and I remember talking to him about Smile and he was quite insistent. That Pet Sounds was was Brian's best album, you know, like, and and I think it's fair to say that, that the Smile material, although you know he was a big participant in that, like on stage and on the record, as I said, like you can hear his voice. Uh, I don't think the Smile stuff really resonated with him as much as Pet Sounds did. So I mean, certainly he 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 wanted that to be uh, to be understood. So I think that era of Brian, you know, early years up until Pet Sounds is probably what what uh, resonates the most with him. Um, you know, I, I, guess we have to talk about why Jeff left the beach boys, um, in spring 1990. Uh, you know, I, I, knew a bit about it and I kept it to myself, but I think it's okay for us to talk about it because Jeffrey talked about it. Like, uh, I don't know when it was like a year or two ago, I, I guess some discussion had happened, uh, on the, on the pages, Facebook. And so Jeffrey felt like he had to set the record straight. I, I couldn't dig up that post, but I mean, it, I, it had something to do with money. And um, Jeffrey's explanation of it was that, well, I mean, he got fired by Mike essentially like I, different people in the band, like supposedly like Brian and Al wanted him to stay. So he he left and then he came back briefly because Brian Al wanted him to, uh, but then he was gone for good after uh, they did a July 4th show uh, in new England, 1990. And, and, and Jeff's explanation was that, that Mike, thought that Jeff did something untoward with the corporate credit card or something, something to that effect. That's, that's Jeffrey's explanation of it. Um, But, you know, I I think it's heartwarming to me that he came back and, and Mike took him, took him in, you know, and, you know, there's pictures of them in, in, in more recent years together, the two of them like very friendly smiling. You know, if you listen to, um, To to voices which is Jeff's 2019 album Mike's on it like he's singing his parts on wouldn't it be nice and and good vibrations and all this but anyway I, I I'm just happy that it sort of ended all on a positive note with 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 you know I mean it's one thing that that Jeff left Brian that's a whole other issue but I mean it's it's nice that Mike took him back into the fold so warmly you know and that's that's the way the story ended
1: and I keep going back to the, my listen this afternoon of the, the podcast uh, that Jeffrey was on with me uh, some years ago, uh, obviously post uh, what you're talking about, but uh, he, he stuck up for Mike on an issue uh, uh, that, you know, seemed to come from his heart too. So uh, maybe everything had, you know, been straightened out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um and you know, interesting things happened in the interim before he uh, joined Brian. So throughout the '90s, this is when um, Jeff launched a solo career. Uh, his debut single "Fish" was apparently a big hit in Japan. It was used in a beer commercial and as a soap opera theme song. Um, and and you know, an interesting side note to his story is his close friendship with John Stamos. Uh, like they were roommates together way back. Like John Stamos is the uh, the godfather of his daughter. Uh, so they, they have a close relationship and uh, at the wedding in 1998 of John Stamos and uh, model Rebecca Romaine, um, they um, started talking, Brian and Jeff started talking and uh, Brian was talking about, you know, a mini tour in the works for his imagination album. And uh, Jeffrey told them he wanted to be a part of it. And so, you know, this, this was one of the key pieces, you know, in, in Brian building, you know, you add in, you know, those like Brian was living in, in Chicago at the time. So, you know, he got those Chicago musicians and then he brought in the Mints and, and with Jeff and, and he was off to the races creating a band that allowed him to not only tour, but to like actually perform pet sounds and smile in their entirety uh, on stage, which, you know, will fans will always be grateful for
1: Yeah, that would not have happened if he had just stepped back on stage with the Beach Boys or continued touring like that. A lot of things had to come together. And you you just mentioned um, a bunch of them. So that's that's a cool part of the story.
0: Yeah. And so I interviewed, so my interviews, um, my interview with Jeff coincided with my interview with Darian Sahanaja. So this was... Um, backstage in Milwaukee, October 24th, 2009 at the Paps Theater. Didn't you say you were also at that show?
1: I was, and I tried to say hello to you, and you just told me to go away. So. That's You're
0: lying. You're lying because we didn't even know <laughs> each other back then. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that, that would have been nice if we'd, if we'd uh, run into each other. But I, I was they... backstage a few hours before the show. And, um, you know, the, the thing about Jeff that I think a lot of fans will always be grateful for was that if you were backstage, he would introduce you to Brian. Like he had no hesitation to, to bring you over. Like I had nothing set up with Brian, you know, officially that day. Uh, I was just interviewing him and Darian and uh, he brought me over to Brian, you know, and that was great. And I I told Brian about my book. Like he, he was not yet a participant and I told him about my book and, and, and I said, so Brian, if you were to talk about one song and before I could even finish my sentence, he said, California girls. (laughs) <laughs> he ended up i have him not talking about california girls actually but actually rhapsody in blue which ties into his uh his gershwin album which was his last release uh when my book came out but anyway uh i i'm i'm grateful for that i mean it, it's kind of funny i mean darian's a guy that i have i have the utmost respect for um you could tell there was some tension between the two of them i don't know what it was all about i mean certainly darian uh, took on a more prominent role in that band, especially when they did Smile because he was like the musical secretary. He was the guy like gathering all those little historical bits and pieces and, and working with Brian on that. So I don't know if it was professional jealousy or or what, but it, it kind of funny in a way because I interviewed uh, Jeff for half an hour and then I interviewed Darian and that, that ran about one hour. And afterwards, you know, Jeffrey was like, I see you talk to Darian twice as long as you talk to me. What did you talk about? So <laughs> kind of funny, but I mean, it, it just shows that, you know, he he sort of had to be on top of everything, let's say. Well, I th-
1: yeah, it should, I'll speak for myself. It shouldn't surprise me to hear that there would be tensions between different band members. I mean, I, I, I that, think. That's
0: the Beach Boys story.
1: Beach Boys story. Uh, the, the miracle is, is that uh, there's, that, that they somehow sort of stayed together and uh didn't uh you know kill each other um so no, uh,
0: it, on stage you would never i mean it wasn't like you know sometimes dennis would like fight with mike on stage it wasn't like that like like you would never know like i mean they're always very professional and 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 giving a great performance and they love brian and his music and, and that always came through
1: but you mentioned how uh jeffrey uh introduced people to brian i think you know that's my story uh he uh he I, I can't count the number of backstage passes uh, or all access passes that I uh, received from him through the years. Uh, but I' have some very special memories of two, three different times when he he did introduce me to Brian. And that's pretty much uh, me saying something to Brian and, you know, Brian being polite. But uh, it, you know, it's not like we sat down for half an hour like you did with Jeffrey and gabbed about stuff or that kind of thing. But it was a pleasure meeting him. I got to say some things that, you know, every fan would like to say something to their their hero. And, uh, I got, you know, I got to do that several times and with others as well, uh, backstage with uh, Bruce Johnston in a Wisconsin show, which was uh, that was like a half hour kind of thing. My uh, My daughter was with and. So that was a, that was conversational back and forth and talked about, I write the songs and I think he found out I was a pastor or something, but she says, well, who do you think, uh, who's that song? Who's who's that song about? I said, well, I know everybody (laughs) says it, you know, that it's, uh, they think it's about Brian, but it's really about God. And he says, you're right. How'd you get, you know? So that was just kind of a fun moment. So, uh, and Jeffrey, I think, I, I don't know. Is, is uh is this an exaggeration I think he got thousands not ten thousand but he got thousands of true fans backstage to 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 have conversations and certainly many hundreds um the, the guy who started me on the beach boys this is back in you know 63 64 we were in the same church together he, uh, wasn't at the time, but he, you know, he was. He became a musician, recording and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the guy's name is Dave Humbo. He he uh, uh, Jeffrey got him backstage at a Milwaukee show. Some somehow I must have missed one of the Milwaukee shows because I would have known him. Uh, so I, I think a lot of uh, there's got to be a category of of, of fan. That's more than just they love the Beach Boys, they buy some records they care about. But, but I mean, the kind of thing, you know, you and, and, and myself and other, all these podcast people, fanatics is what I call us. And uh, I think Jeffrey was a, a guy who got us backstage, it was really great.
0: Well, it was Bruce that got me backstage at the 50th anniversary uh, tour when it came to here in Toronto, which which was a big Big night for me because this was my opportunity to present the book, which was like hot off the press. To How cool me. was that? Yeah, nerve wracking as well. I mean, to, to to give copies to you know the people that that contributed, the people that are featured in the book. So all the Beach Boys, you know, and and Darian, and but then of course I was going to run into Jeff after you know you know things didn't go so hot uh, as far as his chapter went. So that uh, that
1: knew it was pulled because he asked you to right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. But it was, you know, it was potentially a bit awkward, but it it wasn't so bad, actually, because I just had a brief word with him because he was wearing a a nudie suit. You know what I mean by nudie suit? I do not. Look it up. So this guy, Nudie, I think he was Ukrainian, but he made these like these like these fancy cowboy shirts and cowboy suits that were made famous by people like the Flying Burrito Brothers and Carl Wilson. You know, Carl used to wear these things in the 70s all the time. Is that what they were called? Yeah, because the guy's name is Nudie. I know it it sounds like it's something else. And you're like, I don't want to see that. But but (laughs) it's a very fancy cowboy suit.
1: Interesting. So he was
0: wearing one he was wearing one because he was doing it in tribute to Carl, you know? So I caught that. Oh, I, I, okay. I, said, I said, I said, that, I said, that looks like a nudie suit. He goes, it is a nudie suit. Uh-huh. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, it's not like he advertised that, but I mean, if you're in the know, you know, that he's doing that as a tribute to, to Carl Wilson.
1: Well, he got me backstage. Well, not backstage in the meet and greet for the 50th. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have the kind of money to pay to, you know, meet and greet ahead of time. So these guys are all lined up and he snuck me in and I got my picture taken just like they did, you know, all the other paying people yeah. and got to uh, have a couple minute conversation with Alan. That was kind of cool. And I was able to refer back to this is a fan, you know, you're doing, you know, Journalism conversations that'll last for the ages. I'm just saying, hey, back in 1968 when you were in uh, the Uptown Theater in Chicago, I was uh, snuck in and went to your rehearsal and uh, talked to you and gave you gave you this New Testament kind. It was just it was just fun for me, and uh yeah,
0: it was. Yeah. No, and and a lot of as you said, a lot of other fans had this experience thanks to Jeff. So I mean, I'm many people will always be uh, be grateful. Um, You know, and in those days, like when he was with Brian, um, you know, he he was not only necessary to to help Brian out like outside of the show. But I mean, on stage, you know, uh, he would he would uh, double Brian's vocal on, on the challenging high notes. He would downplay how much he had to do that. But we all know that he had to do it. Jeffrey told me and I quote, Brian rarely misses anything. Early on, there were a lot of nerves. He was not used to being in the spotlight again. I did a fair share of covering, but I think a lot of artists do that when they're on the comeback circuit. A lot of guys wear ear monitors and the words are prompted to them, and many have the auto cue in front of them. Big stars. I've been on their stages. so I guess what he's saying is you know, what Brian did was, was no different than uh, what, what many older rock stars do.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good uh, context for that, but uh, I think all the more, knowing that other, uh, forgive me for this word, healthier, not, not that Brian's unhealthy, but I mean, he, just having some, uh, for Brian, it's such a huge deal to have sat behind that piano. Uh, I, I saw him in the second, uh, his first show, I guess, was in Michigan on that first tour, and Chicago was the second. Jeffrey got me backstage for that one, too, but uh, uh, I, you know, I'm just impressed that he would come out stage and, and, and do that. Uh, he's certainly over the years got much, I think, better at it. Um, but I, I think we forget sometimes my word, how heroic it, it is for, for Brian Wilson to do those kinds of things.
0: I agree. And I mean, beyond just doubling, uh, Brian's vocals, like he would take the lead on, you know, wouldn't it be nice and don't worry, baby. So, um he's a huge part of those brian shows huge part just to repeat like brian could not do those vocals like the way they are on record anymore at that point and and carl was gone so you know i think what what jeff did was somewhat heroic as well like stepping into those shoes and and doing it really well
1: well and those people who criticize it it's like well what's the alternative they could have shut down And no, no pun intended with the shutdown song, but I mean, they could have just shut down the band. Would we be happy about that? I don't think so. They could have selected individuals who just get on stage and it's not more than a, you know, a tribute band, which, you know, I'd be fun to listen to, but it's, it's no, not the beach. So the, I think they all worked in their own way very hard to keep something authentic going. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful.
0: Yeah, and here, here's an interesting factoid uh from from Jeff himself. He he said that he sang each part of the Beach Boys harmony blend in every song that's been performed. Think of that.
1: Wow.
0: Do the math on that. Like, I mean, how so there's got to be at least like five parts per song. How many songs are there?
1: <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. It is.
0: Um, we haven't talked much about his solo work. He's, he's put out a ton of stuff. I mean, you can go on Spotify and you can hear that, um, you know, and, and, and he, he's, it's power pop stuff. Uh, you know, as I said, like very sort of, uh, you know, of, of another era starting with doo-wop or whatever in the 60s, 70s. Interesting taste in, in, in who he's decided to cover, whether it's the Carpenters or or the Sunrays, you know, like he does a great version of I Live for the Sun. That's the Sunrays, right? That's Murray.
1: Yeah. Well, Trade um, Wins, uh, that's a, a surfy type song, but it's kind of cool. I like that one a lot.
0: Um, my Favorite Waste of Time by Marshall Crenshaw, which is just a great song anyway, but, but uh, Jeff does a really, uh, really... Yeah. I, th- I think his,
1: his, uh, I'm not sure what word to use. It, 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 power pop is, 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 uh, I don't think it's all that. I think th- there's just a wide spectrum. One of, one of my favorites, if that's the right word is, is, uh, say a little prayer, how he turned that from the female praying for her guy to a guy praying for his, his, uh, girl, his woman. And, uh, uh, you know you know me with the, the spiritual stuff with prayer I mean I, I I I know it can just be uh perfunctory saying a, a little prayer but uh, uh, for me he just communicated that on a level that made me think this guy was truly praying for this this woman and it meant something to him
0: um Say so- he was a fairly religious person right?
1: Yeah and uh on that podcast we uh the the other three guys were also musicians who have declared or said that you know that they're, they're followers of Jesus Christ and uh, so did Jeffrey so it does not make him perfect in any way uh, none of us are but yeah I I, I think his faith was real and so that, that song uh, may have had, at least for me in hearing it, a, a double meaning, a, a, if you will, uh, more than just a guy and a girl. But uh, And that's what that whole podcast was about, is just the spiritual nature of Beach Boys music. Uh, sometimes the words and sometimes just how the sound of instruments and voices come together. Um, and I think Jeffrey fit in that pretty well.
0: Here's a guy that definitely has talent and... Um... He didn't think super highly of his guitar abilities. He told me that. Although a lot of people would probably say, oh, I, th- I think Jeff's a good guitarist. But he he was modest about that. But I mean, certainly he had the vocal chops. But, you know, the guy was an all-around talent. And um, I'd like to hear what you think of, of his solo stuff. I think maybe you have a list for us of some of the songs that uh, you'd like to highlight.
1: Yeah, when I think about Jeffrey's solo career, uh, I've listed a, a number of songs that it's not so much, you know, the best... Uh, who, who decides what those would be, uh, but songs that uh, stick out to me for a, you know a different reason. I'll kind of go through a few of them. Uh, the first one is the song that really got me connected to him. It's the, the name of the song is Love Song. It's on his Christmas at the Beach CD, and it caught my attention uh, when the CD came out. I think I was looking for his stuff at that stage because of Papa Do Run Run and uh, reading or knowing somehow that he was involved with that. So just being, he was on my radar screen and somehow got the Christmas at the Beach CD. So as I'm looking at the songs on there, of course, there's the the, the fun Christmas songs and some uh, spiritual nature songs, if you will, or Christmas, Christmas songs. Uh, but then there's this love song, which I knew immediately there must be something about... Uh, There's something spiritual going on in his life because it's not a Christmas song. It's a song from uh, really the, the Jesus revolution of the time back with the hippies in the 68s and the 72, 68, 72 kind of era. And apparently Jeffrey in his growing up stage at that had some contact with some of the church there or something. And so he knew of this group and it was the group was called Love Song. And he knew then of uh, the uh, singer, the author of the the song, a guy named Chuck Gerard, who I've also done podcasts with. So one of the songs that uh, I think might be interesting to people is that song. It was like a number one song in the, Philippines and there's a funny story of the group uh, being flown out there and they didn't even know they were number one and uh, uh, I don't know that the people knew that their other songs were much more overtly uh, you know Christian or religious but uh, somehow they survived so love song uh, caught my attention I uh, it caused me to to think well maybe this this guy is uh, like me a guy who is a Christ follower so I wrote him and just kind of set a, said what I just uh, pointed out about the song and that I I thought it was great. And, you know, I'll be praying for him. And lo and behold, sometime later, he contacted me, said, let's get together when I'm in Chicago. That didn't work out. But some years later, when uh, I was in Palm Desert, he was living there at the time, uh, we connected. And, you know, that began what for me was a, a friendship. I'm not an inner circle guy with Jeffrey Foskett, but um, you know, we, we had several times of meals together and was at his home. And uh, he was just very kind to me that in a way he didn't need to be. So Love Song is one from the Christmas CD. Another one that sticks out in my mind, which will uh, probably never get in the Grammy Hall of Fame is uh, a ba- Baseball Card Fever. Wow. Um, it, it's a cute song, cute. I know people hate the word cute when you talk about songs, but it, it, it it's more like a junior high song to me. And it, and it was just fun listening to it. It kind of took me back to surf and safari type of not so much the, the the song, the sound or the topic, but just that youthful growing up. This is something we, we have fun doing. So baseball card fever is worth at least uh, one original break. song. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's a it's a Foskett song, so. Uh, with a fellow named Mike. Oh, I don't remember his last name, but I did not recognize the name. Um, I don't think you mentioned this yet, the, the song Through uh, Through My Window, which I think might have been... I was just name.
0: thinking of that one.
1: Um, here's a quote that uh, uh, California Saga magazine uh, did at the time. Although the name on the cover might say otherwise, Through My Window is the best Beach Boys disc of 1996. Now, I wasn't talking about just that song, but... Uh, yeah, when I first played that, that CD, that really jumped out at me. It just had a great sound or a, it, it reminded me at in some points of the Calliope sounds like in little girl. I once knew and heroes and villains, it uh, just the, the, uh, the energy. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of that song? It really Yeah. That,
0: that, that's a favorite of mine as well from, from Jeff's catalog. And, and somehow it's interesting. A lot of his songs, um, Reference other Beach Boy songs in, in ways that are clever and, and and they still sort of like they're still his songs. You know what I mean? Like yes, through yeah. my window, I hear Sloop John B. I hear I know there's an answer and I hear here today. So he somehow <laughs> manages to get in all those songs, plus make it original. So, yeah, that that's maybe my favorite of his.
1: Yeah. Um, we, you've already mentioned Warmth of the Sun. Along that, uh, what I liked about the Warmth of the Sun, the, the vocals only cut there's also a vocals only of "She Knows Me Too Well" and a "Surfer Girl Lullaby," which is pretty much, uh, I think, just if not a vo- basically a vocal sound. He just had uh, I don't know. Again, I, I said it before, but he he he, he wasn't a Beach Boy in you know, family, but uh, he sure so- made it sound like that. Those covers were uh, I thought outstanding. Um, so. They got a good guy when they got Jeffrey to to take the lead on the live touring. Did those stick out to you at all in any of the stuff you've listened to?
0: Uh, I I don't know all those songs. I mean, certainly uh, I know the uh, the Through My Window album, um, and and you know people even go further than than the quote that you said. And they said it's the it's the best Beach Boys album the Beach Boys never released. Now I I don't think I would go quite that far, but. Um, uh there's interesting stuff like again like you know we talk about the references like uh, dancing girl certainly has a california girls type feeling to it oh yeah Uh, yeah and 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 have you heard his version of keeping the summer alive or yes
1: i was that was my next one go ahead talk about it
0: i I wouldn't even say version like i mean it's it's I don't think it's really. It's hard to say whether it's the same song. I don't think it's the same song as the Beach oh, Boys. Oh, it's right. not the
1: same song because uh, he. I think he
0: wrote it. But um, but it references like certain lyrics and stuff. So again, he's very clever that way in referencing Beach Boy stuff, but but doing something completely different.
1: Yeah, and to do vice versa, the Beach Boys could have that could have been their version. I think it was that good. It was different, but I think it was that good. Uh, there's a quote here from Brian Wilson. Uh, Jeff's voice is one of the top five greatest voices I've ever heard (laughs) because of the way he expresses himself. It blows me away. So, um, you know, assuming Brian meant what he said, uh, you know, he he, uh, recognized the uh, value of Jeff's voice being part of their sound. So keeping the summer alive. Yeah. I I love that song. And it, it wouldn't have been, wouldn't it have been fun if it was the B side to the beach boys, keeping the summer alive, that'd be a, or a double A side or something. But I, uh, love that song. Another one that I uh, like is everything I, sorry, another one that uh, I think is notable is everything I need that he's saying with Brian Wilson. I mean, for Brian to to do that says something and it's also an example of, uh, again, their friendship. That's that's why it sticks out to me. It's a good song, good cover uh, but uh, it it's just a strong friendship that he had. It it made me, uh, for some reason, I thought of uh, an instance when uh, I was in the alley back behind, the, by the stage door uh, outside waiting for uh, Jeffrey to come to kind of get us backstage. And apparently they were late or something. Anyway, they pull up in the car and Brian and Jeffrey get out. And there's a bunch of fans there, of course. And I guess somebody was a little bit too uh, pushy to, I don't know, put it. To, to grab brian or get get an autograph when it just wasn't he just wanted to get brian into the building so he, he he didn't do anything wrong but he really snapped at that person and made sure that you know nothing got in brian's way and so this song is just a reminder to me of uh, the friendship they had that went beyond uh music um suddenly just in my mind i'm remembering jeffrey talking about sometimes when they've been down eating together meals as couples and, uh, you know, no secret details, but just that picture of them doing more than just being on stage together. And that's a, that's a cool song for that.
0: I imagine they had one or two uh, steak dinners together.
1: Just a few. Yes. Uh, Another Uh, song that comes to me, this will sound strange, but I'll explain it is uh, eight days a week uh, by a group that you may have heard of called the Beatles. Yeah, I know them. one of the times when I was with Jeffrey at, uh, I think it was a lunchtime thing, a restaurant somewhere, we were about to go and he says, hey, I want you to, uh, I don't even remember how that was, was it YouTube? I don't know what we had to get stuff online yet. It was early on or you know, earlier on in the internet stage, but he said, I, w- I want you to go and get this album by the uh, Beatles Celebration. It, and the title is The Beatles Celebration Plays the Beatles classic hits, and there were 20 tracks. Jeffrey and some other cohorts Hmm. did cover versions of these 20 hits of the Beatles, and it was at a time when I don't think the Beatles were allowing their music to be on any of the platforms. So if you didn't get vinyl, you didn't get the Beatles. So they were trying to, I'm sure... (laughs) cash in right. uh, and uh hard. so and, and i listened to them and you know i bought it out of uh, friendship loyalty to to jeffrey but uh it's a good listen i mean it's not the beatles but uh, they did a good job a very good job so eight uh, days a week is
0: just a great great tune
1: oh my goodness yes yeah uh that that's my favorite time of theirs the the hard days night uh eight days a week uh that's that just before they got uh Super cool with psychedelic stuff. Before
0: they, they started smoking too much marijuana. Maybe.
1: Well, I'll just list a couple others and I'm done. Uh, I love their uh, his uh, cover of I Can't Let Go by the Hollies. I mean, that just is really a punch punches out of the gate. I mentioned New York's a lonely town. Uh, and then one I'll, I'll close with is uh, Everything That Touches You by the association. I enjoyed, really liked that song when it came out back then. But when I first heard his rendition on voices, uh, I was really taken back. It's like, it was, a. Uh, I wrote in my notes here. It was a glorious vocal track for me. The sound was just churchy, I guess. I don't know what word to use. Um, beautiful, well done. So uh, we've lost a, a good person, a friend, but also a great
0: voice. Yeah, he sort of seemed to find this middle ground with like doo and gospel. I mean, Voices 2019, I think it came out. And uh, yeah, his voice was still really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that was, uh, well, certainly just before all the, the the botch surgery and other stuff, the cancer that hit him and stuff. So it's been a, a difficult last probably five years, right?
0: But, but I think, uh, I mean, as far as I understand that he he sort of exceeded the expectation. Like, I mean, I think his diagnosis was, was grimmer than that. And, and the fact that he got five years, I think he had really good care. Uh, I think he did some uh, progressive kind of treatments that, that, that extended his, uh, his life a little. And, and he was very grateful for them. I don't have all the details for you on this, but I know he did some fundraising and uh, raised a considerable amount of money, I think for the, uh, the hospital where he was being treated.
1: Yeah, and they they moved to to be there. I mean, he was doing when I when I first started, he, he would be doing uh these trips in, flying in and treatments and flying home or trying to tour or just do recording. I think in that period of time, uh he produced an album for Mickey Dolenz, um King for a Day, you know, he took on Carol King songs. Right. So um uh, you know, to me, Jeffrey was a beach boy, but he also had, as you're talking about, this solo career. And uh, when you read uh, some of the blogs or a play, uh, news reports uh, or reviews, it, there's just so many names of, you know, Paul McCartney uh, and others that he has played with. And um, I just wish he was around to tell us more about all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think some of those uh, meetings with those kind of people, some of it had to do with the fact that he was with Brian and and Brian was like working Mm -hmm. with these people. Um, And and he told me that one of his uh, happiest memories was um, performing the Warmth of the Sun with Eric Clapton at the 2002 party at the palace. So this was to mark the Queen's Golden Jubilee um and clapton sang along so i mean brian was there with his band essentially and, and clapton was yeah. on stage with them and you know clapton's had a long love for the for the beach boys like we know uh that quote from 1966 when when pet sounds came out and he said that oh it's uh, me and the guys from cream we think it's an absolute gas you know like we love yeah. it. um so so clapton was up there on stage playing warmth of the sun you know chiming in uh with some solos, you know, while 200 million people watched on TV. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, wow. That
0: was one of Jeff's, you know, fondest memories. And I mean, part of that is just the idea of Brian Wilson, you know, in front of this huge audience <laughs> live and on TV, you know, giving, giving his all. And uh, it made Jeff sort of think back to, you know, the Brian that answered the door in 1976, <laughs> like the, you know, the, unkempt messy brian who's going through a lot of things you know and uh reclusive and uh to go from there to you know singing at the queen's uh golden jubilee is uh i mean jeff was was fortunate enough to to see brian and help brian like he was a big part of helping brian get from from there to, to 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 the better place you know so
1: yeah that had to be gratifying that uh for, you know, for his own experience, but also to to have a hand in, he wasn't the only one, but uh, helping Brian. Um, and they've blessed a lot of fans, millions upon millions.
0: Jeff said, uh, to summarize that, from that to this, it's a phenomenon. We would just like to extend our regards and condolences to Jeffrey's wife, Diana, and his daughter, Katie. RIP, Mr. Foskett. You brought a lot of happiness to a lot of fans of Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, and your voice will live on.
1: And I say amen to that.
0: And if you want to share your Jeffrey Foskett memories with us, please post them on our Facebook page, Surf's Up a Beach Boys Podcast Safari. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in to our show, Remembering Jeffrey Foskett. We'll be back with more stuff this year, so... Come back next time and we'll do it again.